Okay, good morning. Another Saturday morning fish off breakfast here and picking up on episode 44. I think yeah. last time we talked about we we're back in 89. I think uh, you mentioned Tammy graduated university and then eventually went on to work at Jim Oshawa and Cami and then all the excitement in the life of meeting me and having my whole family there. So, but we'll, we'll get to that maybe later on. So we're about 1988, 89. Yeah, well, it, uh, uh, 89, um, I remember in the 80s at some point, uh, uh, somebody told me, uh, you should go and see the wood show in Toronto. Toronto one, that was near the airport and they had a big wood show and I never seen a wood show. I didn't even know they had them, but uh, that might be just a place because I had the workshop yeah. and uh, maybe I can learn a few things. So how how big was the Toronto Wood Show? Oh, the uh, uh, okay. The arena here, the that mm -hmm. arena pad is mm -hmm. uh, it was bigger than the 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 arena pad where they play broomball and mm -hmm. uh, here yep. that and that's a good chunk. That is mm -hmm. including that's from wall to wall. Mm -hmm. Forget about the stands. Yeah. And that's a good size uh, area for mm. a wood show. Yeah. And that was uh, right on Airport Road. Mm. I went there with Leo Tunison. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, oh, we saw machines and tools and stuff that you could buy uh, that I never heard of. It was uh, such an exciting day. It was one of the best days that I could remember having had. Uh, ever uh, because anything woodworking and I was interested in it and uh, there was a company and it was called Shopsmith mm -hmm. and they made a machine and you could it was a terrific lathe it was a table saw uh, it was an all-in-one like uh, how, how, yeah. however many tools in one machine and they mm -hmm. had big powerful motor on it so and that was the thing uh, you get uh, uh, um, like a router mm. and routers usually are quite powerful but nothing like the power of that shopsmith because mm. that shopsmith could cut the board like uh, if you use it as a table saw and it would rip a board in no time and it wouldn't even slow down whereas an ordinary table saw well it usually was going the limit to cut the board. Mm -hmm. And uh, Leo got so excited about that and on the spot, that's what I got to have. Yeah. So he bought it and <clears> he brought it over to his place and uh, I went to have a look at it. It was all packaged mm. in yet. And I said, uh, so where are you going to put it? Uh, who is going to help you getting it in the basement? Because where does it usually go in the yeah. basement? But it was a heavy sucker. and. He said, yeah, I was thinking about it, and lose his wife, and she said, Leo, you you have to put up a workshop. Where am I going to put the workshop? I can't put it on the back of the house, and no, but why don't you use it in the back of the yard, up against the fence, mm -hmm. the back fence, that's way back in the yard, the same as where I got the workshop mm -hmm. here. So uh, uh, then he looked at me, and uh, it's almost like he had question marks in his eyes, and mm -hmm. Uh, and I had a fair amount of lumber, you know, mm. from demolition sale. Yeah. 
So uh, I said, well, why, uh, what do you want for a workshop? Give me a plan, draw, make a drawing and mm. tell me how big and what goes where. And uh, so we got to have a drawing. You can't mm. just uh, put a couple of two by fours together and remove on it. So that's what he did. And uh, it was the year after when he put himself a lean to on it to store his uh, his materials, his his lumber, yeah. and uh, but we built that that workshop, workshop. Earlier, so he had a place for his the shopsmith for his shopmate, and he got me all beat to hell because his shopmate, I stood there salivating, looking at the thing, and he showed me when he was using it as a lathe and what he could mm. do with it and. Yeah. Uh, it was just a marvel. But anyway, that is what we got at that wood show. And mm. they showed carving. And uh, they had some carvings that I had never seen the likes of. And I thought, these are all people that live in southern Ontario. Mm. Not of all of Canada, no one. And uh, it, it was just unbelievable. It, it to me was a great experience and a funny thing. I said I'm going to go back to this is every year they have the wood show and I just happened to hear that mm. and I went so anyhow uh, <clears throat> the year after I went to the wood show with Bill Reinders and uh, Bill, Bill and I well uh, Bill, I may have already mentioned, he was from Eindhoven and uh, and he worked for the Ford Motor Company in Oakville. And he was living in Whitby and uh, Bill says, uh, I think I'll go to the wood show too. I said, well, yeah, but uh, uh, John mentioned that he wanted to uh, well, by then it was in the early 90s. Mm. And John said, Dad, you want to go to the wood show? I like to go there too because yeah. um, after I heard you talk about it and what they all have, mm. and I think it would be very interesting. So uh, <laughs> it was a funny thing. We, we, we go there and we parked the car and there was, uh, I never, even the parking lot at GM, in Oshawa was not in Oshawa was not as busy as the parking lot here in, on on Airport Road. Uh, it was all over the place. So we found the place, and just as we get out of the out of the car and we walk along the building to go to the entrance door, and there is a, a door opens up on the side, and the guy comes out, and uh, what are you guys looking for? Well, uh, the entrance. We we want to go to see the wood show. Oh, he says, don't worry, boys, it don't cost anything. Come to, come in through here. I thought, well, that is a sweet, <laughs> a, a, a sweet deal. So I said, come on, John, we get a free entry. So I still had uh, the money in my pocket for, yeah. the, uh, for the entrance and uh, the entry fee. So uh, we are going through the whole thing. And when you stay in, nobody checks up, you got a ticket or... Yeah. You didn't get a stamp or anything, you just go in. And uh, so we are looking around and there is a guy, I forget the name of this town where he came from, but he made drawings and he was selling 
the drawings for bird houses and bird feeders. Mm -hmm. And I remember before, not too long before, that I was in Pennsylvania to pick up uh, Matt's car, uh, yeah, Matt's car, my, my brother-in-law. And he gave the car to mom because they offered him so little in the States for a trade-in that he, uh, he said no. Yeah. For that money, he says, I'll give it to my sister. So that's when we had to pick that up. And we went to a town there, and that was kind of like Amish kind of town. Uh, I should remember the name, but it'll come to me. Uh, and I saw those bird feeders, and I thought, hey, that might be something to do in Canada, make those bird feeders. Well, this guy, he had drawings that he made himself, mm -hmm. and they were professional-looking drawings, mm -hmm. and I, I loved the, the design of it, beautiful design. And, uh, and I said to John, hey, you know these drawings, they, uh, yeah, they, they're a lot of money. That I said, yeah, I know, but so was the entry. Mm -hmm. And we got in through the side door. If I used that money for, uh, from the entry for, the, for these drawings, I can buy the drawings for the bird house and for the bird feeder. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I did. I used that money to buy the drawings. Uh, so what are you going to do with it? I said, I'm going to make that bird feeder. That is nice. And I saw how they had an, an actual sample sitting there right. that they had made. Uh, uh, they actually used a uh, 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 broad axe or something to uh, cut pieces off a, a piece of uh, cedar. Mm. They use cedar, you know, it's better resisted more than anything else and uh, it was it was very rustic look and it was just up my alley I thought this has to go I'll make I'll make one and I put it in the front yard and maybe I can draw birds if nothing else and I might even draw the public mm -hmm. and right on highway too it was an ideal place for selling that uh, you have car after car coming in and uh, and that is how it actually turned out. Uh, I was, uh, I think, I made, I was making some cuckoo clocks. I was never even thinking about the birdhouse or the bird feeder. That'll come one of these days. I got to first finish my cuckoo clocks. And I wanted to make enough that the kids each had one and that we have one ourselves because I bought five of those units, those uh, time pieces. Oh, at the wood show. You got the time pieces at the wood show? For the cuckoo clocks? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, well, I uh, I bought them uh, uh, at that wood show, too. Yeah. Uh, I forget the name of the company. It doesn't matter. I never made another one since, but I had five of them. Mm -hmm. And uh, if you make one or five, you might as well, if you make the parts, make enough to do five. Mm -hmm. And... Uh, so I built one and I put it in the front yard there on 1070 Dundas Street West, where we lived. Uh, and uh, I'm working away and then mom comes in the workshop and I said, it's not lunchtime yet. No, but uh, somebody stopped in and asked if the bird feeder in the, in the front yard was for sale. And she said, well, I go and ask my husband. That's how she came in. And uh, uh -huh. But, you know, everything is for sale, really, depending on the price. Yeah. 
and I never thought about the price, but uh, you know, I had enough lumber sitting there. I had the pole barn mm. and the lumber rack, and so I didn't have to buy anything except the shingles. I had to buy them. I didn't, I didn't have them used. But uh, so uh, I thought, well, what am I going to do? Uh, how much do I ask for it? And I had to make a decision. How much is the bird feeder? Uh, but you get one of those ham, ham, ham moments, mm. uh, and just off the cuff, but uh, I don't know how I, a uh, hundred was too much, and eighty was not enough, but you never know. Uh, I said eighty bucks, out comes the wallet, he puts it there, can I take it off the post? I says, you can take the post with it, because I figured that uh, if he pays me eighty bucks, and I already had this material, yeah. And uh, and I wanted to make one more because, uh, well, uh, I already had the jigs mm -hmm. set up to to assemble them, and that is the big thing. If you have jigs, uh, it doesn't take much to put the bird feeder together. But the first one took me forever, and from there on it was just a cinch. But uh, so I sold that one, and I had to build a new one. So guess what happened to the cuckoo clocks? They sat there, there was a couple of them already, but mm. uh, I kind of uh, left that sitting on the other workbench. My workshop was big enough and I had uh, two and a half workbenches and uh, one was collapsible. Uh, and uh, I started on my next bird feeder because I wanted the bird feeder in the front yard. I just liked those bird feeders. Mm -hmm. and, uh, but this time, I got one of those signs, and you know that you buy in Canadian Tire, those yeah. plastic ones, for sale, and you can see it mile off. And I put this for sale sign on, no no price or nothing, just it's for sale. Well, on Highway 2, you, you don't do that and think that nothing happens. You know, if you're in a subdivision, maybe nobody ever comes by. But it was barely standing still after I mounted it in the same... Uh, uh, Spot. Deck spike, uh, you know, I saw those deck spikes over at Cashway, and you can hammer them in the ground and then mount the 4 by 4 in with the bird feeder on top. So mm. uh, uh, I put that up, and before I get back in the workshop, a car come in, and uh, is, yeah, that's for sale. Before a bird had a chance to come in, before I had a chance to put food in, you know, you got to have bird seed in to get birds in it. And uh, it was gone again. And I said, well, I'm onto something. This is, this is going to be a good thing, but I'm going to up the price. So the next one, I asked a hundred bucks and no argument, never had any argument. A hundred bucks, they, they looked rich enough that, oh, I can't make it for that money. You know, that is too mm -hmm. intricate, too many angles. You know, they were all octagon. And you got to have all the angles dead on, or it doesn't look right. So that one sold, and uh, then of course I worked in GM and I worked in Dunlop, and I know the advantage of working on the line. You know, you if you make one part for almost the same amount of time, you can make ten or twenty. So when you're out of the edges of the different pieces. Uh, you might as well take a few boards, so 
uh, he had those milk crates and they bolted them together and they put the parts in it. I filled them all up and there was enough for at least 20, 25 bird feeders in each square. Mm -hmm. So I took the parts out, put them on the jig and uh, it, it got to be just like the, the car assembly in GM. That is what it reminded me of. Or like tires in, in Dunlop. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I actually made five bird feeders and I got the special paint. It, uh, I forget where it came from. I, I, uh, anyway, uh, it is like a, a, a clear stain. Mm -hmm. And uh, it really enhanced the color of the cedar underneath. It made the world a difference. It really made it look so much more beautiful. Mm. And I had uh, already spent uh, a day uh, modifying the workshop because I took one piece of the wall out and I made a lid that I could mount the bird feeder on, mm -hmm. sitting on a swivel so that I could turn around as I spray painted. Mm -hmm. And I had uh, a hose installed in that area. You know, there is, if you automate, well, that it takes time and space. And anyhow, I have here these five bird feeders. And I think I sold the first of the five before the stain was dry. It was going like crazy. And by word of mouth, where the heck did you get? Oh, there's a guy on highway too. So it brought people in, and in the beginning, I couldn't keep up. Oftentimes, I worked till 10 o'clock at night, mm -hmm. and then I went to have something to eat. And then at 11 o'clock, I watched the news, and then I go to bed, and the next day, back in the workshop. I was having a great old time. So that is how it started with my, my entry fee for that wood show. Mm -hmm. And I went to wood shows ever since. But, uh, when I went to Tilsenburg in the beginning, when uh, when Tam first lived in Tilsenburg, and um, as she said, Uncle Dave mm. likes to go to uh, that was your uncle. Yep. And uh, he likes to go to the wood show. Why don't you go with him? Because uh, you know you know Uncle Dave. Oh yes. Why don't you go to the wood show with Uncle Dave? Because mm -hmm. he loves to go there. But, you know, when you go alone, it's not the same. Right. And uh, when you go with two, you can discuss things that you see and uh, you hear different opinions, which is very valuable. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I started to, to go with Uncle Dave to the wood shows. But uh, I thought that I saw the king of the wood shows until I heard that Woodstock had a wood show, Woodstock mm -hmm. wood show that was, I never heard of it when I was in, in Whitby, mm -hmm. but I heard some people mention, yeah, in Woodstock they had this, or they are going to have a, a, a wood show. Well, okay, there, there were more places where they had wood shows, not just Toronto on the airport or, or uh, Woodstock, there, there was all kinds of them, I've seen several. And so I went to Dave to the wood show. Holy mackerel, did I have a surprise. There, this guy, uh, Joe Daniels, he owned this whole thing and he was into horses and whatnot. And he owned that property right in, I think, the east side of Woodstock. 
and there were barns uh, like where they had horses and uh, whatever else. Uh, there's all kinds of room, all kinds of spaces and outdoors. Uh, there was one guy that had a portable sawmill. I never saw a sawmill in my life. Uh, I couldn't even picture how it worked. But no, there, and I said, uh, I said to Dave, like, uh, I think I want to go and see that sawmill. I really, I watched it from the road when we came in, mm. and the thing was going, but as you were walking in, and the crowd moved you in, in to pay your fee and go in, uh, but I wasn't in that one building, the main building, for too long, and I wanted to go and see that sawmill. So we went out there, and it was just unbelievable that they had this machine, and they, uh, the tools that they used to roll this tree, this log, onto the bed of that machine. And then they saw coming in and it sliced, slices off that tree and it was locked on the side and you could get pamphlets showed because they wanted to sell. Mm -hmm. Sawmills, of course. But where am I going to put? Well, I had lots of room in bed to put a sawmill. Yeah. But... Uh, 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 I didn't sell enough birth fields to be able to buy one of those babies. So, but uh, I stood there and I watched, and the one plaque comes after the other, and there you, you have a tree with the bark around it, and uh, well, a tree is a tree is a tree until you start cutting them. And one guy brought in a couple of walnut logs, and they took a walnut log and put that on the bed. And then they started to adjust this machine and the blade had to be just that. Everything within a fraction of an inch. And that's on the log, like uh, two feet across. And I look at it and holy mackerel, that was a big saw blade. It was just like a, a bandsaw lying horizontal. Mm -hmm. And uh, he took the first slice off and the first piece near the, the roots, it had already that dark walnut piece in it mm -hmm. and then the sap put around and then the bark and one slice after the other and they sliced them all to a full inch thick and uh, as they the two guys they they grab one of those planks and they put it there put a couple of stickers on there like those flat pieces like they have on snow fencing mm -hmm. they, you got to space them and there is the tree but spaced out uh, in its way so I stood there salivating and imagined that because I bought some walnut over at Peacock Lumber in Oshawa. Mm -hmm. uh, but only a little bit because uh, for the price, $12 a board foot, like an inch thick mm -hmm. and 12 by 12 inches. $12. Uh, uh, that was a little bit too rich for my blood. So when I see a whole tree Imagine if you have a walnut tree and you slice it up and you have all that walnut, what you can do with it. And I was already making tables and mm -hmm. cabinets out of solid walnut. And uh, it's my favorite lumber. I didn't like the smell of it when they did, when they saw it, but uh, uh, otherwise it, uh, it's, uh, I, I like it. Mm -hmm. So anyhow, uh, I was I couldn't get away, but we stayed there for a while. And um, Dave has a funny way of, and I learned that in uh, in that first wood show. 
you know, when I look at that, you know, one could, that was his way of starting expressing an idea that mm -hmm. he got because he has all kinds of ideas when he sees new things and there's all kinds of new things at the wood show. And he says, one could do this or one could do that. And, uh, and I was soaking it in. I loved the way he was thinking about all the woodworking you could do it. And the guy is, uh, he could do anything that he puts his mind to and, uh, and in, in a perfect way too. Uh, it was a, a fantastic experience for me. Um, and there were wood carvers who made, I found that out, uh, Joe Daniels being the guy, him and his wife, they owned that wood show area. And somebody had carved a, uh, like a bust from Daniels mm -hmm. with his typical cap and glasses on and uh, out of a stump of uh, uh, pine, I believe it was, and one from his wife with a shawl around her neck and mm -hmm. her glasses on. And the two of them were very prominently placed where everybody uh, had to see it. You, mm -hmm. you come in and you see Joe and his wife sitting there on that table. And I, boy, I wish I had that talent for carving it. And then the next thing you know, you get to a table and there are some guys sitting there carving away. And uh, they have pieces that are half done. They're all done, but like they bring them in and mm -hmm. try to sell them. And uh, when I saw, well, I can do that too. But uh, of course you got to have the tools. I never got around to do wood carving because at, uh, at one time I wanted to, uh, when, once I moved to Tilsenburg, but that is ahead of the game. But there was a lady out of, Yes, East Otterville. No, Otterville. Otterville. And there was a lady there, and she she was there with those carvers, and she said, "I have a workshop, and we come together every month or whatever, uh, or, or every Monday or Wednesday. Anyway, we get together, and uh, I teach wood carving, and you can buy the tools, and you can join us for." whatever, uh, if you are interested in wood carving. I said, I'm very much interested, but my problem is it is at night and uh, I don't like driving in the night if I can help it. If I could find somebody to go with, then mm. it'd be different. I never did and so I consequently never went for the wood carving and just as well because I had way too many fires in, uh, many irons in the fire to begin mm. with. Uh, so I stuck to my woodworking, but uh, it, it's uh, so. What kind of things did you end up over the years? Because I know you went through quite a few wood shows that you or Dave kind of purchased from the wood show and came away with. I know uh, you got the plans for the the bird feeder. And the yeah, house and that, that was that, the first thing I ever yeah, bought at the wood got, show. You got uh, cuckoo clocks. Yeah, and I, I think we actually heard one of them just earlier. The the cuckoo. Yeah, clocks yeah, that is the one that I was yeah. making in the Whitby shop. Yeah. Uh, no, yeah, I made it in the Whitby shop, but I, I got that at the airport yep. uh, from some clockmaker. Yep. And uh, uh, anything else you you remember picking up? Uh, well, I it was the same. Did you ever get a shop mate? 
I'm just going to ask. No. You. No. Uh, uh, <laughs> uh, I had, uh, Mom said, well, why would you want to buy a shop made? Because uh, it was, what, six, seven hundred dollars or something like that. Mm. I, I don't exactly remember the price, yeah. but I know it was a little bit rich for my brother. And six, seven hundred dollars today, yeah. you got to think that 20, 25 years ago, yeah. it was a different, you know, 25 dollars yeah. were worth 25 dollars. But not anymore, the, when, when inflation eats at it. Uh, but anyhow, we... Uh, no, I never got... But uh, Leo didn't have any tools. He had... From my brother-in-law, he bought the uh, planer. Mm. And uh, I had a planer that I bought from his neighbor. Mm -hmm. And his neighbor had died, and the son-in-law asked Leo, uh, you want to buy my uh, my planer, that, uh, not the thickness planer, the, the other one, gosh, I can't remember the name. Anyhow, I said, yeah, I wouldn't mind having a look at it. So I went there and, well, uh, what do you want? The guy said, you know, he was not, but he was a bit of a stern kind of guy. He was not friendly at all. He could never make a salesman. And uh, I says, yeah, here, uh, your neighbor tells me that you have this uh, planer for sale. Oh, yeah, he says, would you want to buy it? I said, that's what I had in mind. That's why I would like to see it. I says, it's all in the back shed. So we go in there and I look at it. And this big cast iron hunk of a planer, it's six feet long and uh, four inches wide, four or six inches wide. And it had a nice fence on it and all. It's uh, good and solid. Uh, I said, well, uh, what do you want for it? He said, uh, 50 bucks. That's, uh, and I'm not talking, so don't argue. He said, either you pay me 50 bucks or go. Okay. Uh, I wasn't going to argue. I thought 50 bucks for that plane that had, had the motor and everything on it. And... Uh, I said, if somebody can give me a hand uh, lifting it, then I put it on the back of the pickup truck. I was all the time in the pickup truck, a handy thing. So I took it home and I made a new thing for it, like a stand for it underneath and to put the motor in. And uh, so I, uh, that same day I had it all sitting and working, A1, got it all tuned up because uh, the, the he said that uh, it doesn't, uh, I got to warn you, he was honest about it. He says it chatters a bit, he said, but it was my father-in-law's and uh, he just recently died. So uh, that made that planer an old one and they don't make them on the cast iron anymore. So I knew I had a kind of an antique. And uh, But as I looked at it and I noticed that it had cone bearings on the on the wheel that uh, on on the rotor that had the, the cutting blades, mm -hmm. and then I saw this little screw, this Allen screw, on the sides on on both sides of the uh, of the the roller. Ah, cone. And as I look against the side of the planer, I see this round disc with a slot in it. And that slot is for turning the cone in, 
Then you tighten the cone with the Allen key yeah. and everything is nice and tight. He says it rattles, but you can do planing with it, he said, but uh, you still have to sand the wood after. Yeah. I said, oh, don't worry about it. I just wanted to go from rough wood to get it kind of dressed up because mm -hmm. I don't like painting. I gave him a big spiel about but uh, I saw that it was well worth the money. So anyhow, I took it home, adjusted the whole thing, adjusted the blades because they were way out of kilter. They have to sit perfectly straight, parallel with the bed. And, uh, and then Leo bought that planer from Joe, my brother-in-law, when he was selling his tools. And uh, he had it at home and it was brand new, like, uh, Joe bought it brand new. He would never buy anything used. He didn't have to. So uh, I come into the workshop that we built for Leo and he said, uh, you know that planer you got from the neighbor? I said, yeah. I, I said, I got it working nice. Yeah, he said, I saw that the other day when you were planing this board, you were edging it, you know, like uh, making it perfectly square on when, when, when the plank is rough and you, you can cut it, but then you got to plane the edges too. It was an edge planer. So uh, he said, uh, uh, how about if I betrayed, you take my plane, it's brand new, and I'll take that old one that you have. I said, uh, well, how come you didn't buy it off of him? Because you paid over 200 bucks for your planer. And you know, I only paid 50 bucks for mine. So why would you want mine? He said, yeah, but I saw what you can do with it and the power it has. He said, no. He said, there is no comparison. Uh, they still did make a better planer in the old days than they do now. So anyhow, uh, I still have the planer because I didn't want to trade. I knew I was better off with mine than he was with his. And uh, that's the same way I had a table saw. Uh, maybe I may have mentioned that at one time that I got that from Wilbert that table saw. Uh, Wilbert was uh, a guy who lived behind Van Bostel in the trailer and uh, he was from my province back home and uh, he was a pretty handy guy and he had that table saw and I thought he's a private guy and uh, he can afford the table saw Back home, only the uh, the best contractors, like uh, builders, would uh, would have their own table saw in their workshop. But uh, like a private guy, we never have it. I never saw a little table saw like that. And uh, and then Wilbert, I said, uh, Wilbert, you you want to sell that table saw? You might want a bigger one for you because you do a lot more woodworking than I do. He says, I can give it to you. Well, uh, wait a minute, there is something wrong here. Uh, no, Wilbert uh, is not going to give you anything uh, unless there is something on the other side of the scale. He said, you know that house on Anderson Street that I own? He was living in Oshawa. That he, had, uh, uh, he built a house mm -hmm. on a piece of land he bought and uh, that's what he moved in. But the house that he had on Anderson Street in Whitby, mm -hmm. he, uh, uh, it was, uh, well, he had it rented out, but he wanted to sell it. He 
wanted the money, he started to need the money to finish the house that he had in the bush there in, in Oshawa. And uh, he said, that house in, in Whitby there on Anderson Street, he said, if you can find a buyer for it and the guy buys that house, I'll give you this, this, uh, this table saw for selling it. I says, you got to be kidding. He says, no, you think you can sell it? I said, no, I don't know if I can sell it, but I'll, I'll try. I know enough people that might want to buy it. And uh, of course, that's where I left it. And it wasn't uh, long after that when, and that was uh, earlier when, before Leo actually got married. Mm -hmm. And uh, no, Leo was married, but uh, uh, he wanted to buy a house. And Leo was boarding at Van Boxtel and uh, Wilbert was living in the trailer behind Van Boxtel. That's how I got to know him. Mm. But he also got to know Leo. But Leo was a bit of an introvert. He was he was not outgoing. He he could be he comes home from work, eats, and he stays in the house all night long or all day if he had a different shift. But he was that type of guy. I said, Lee, uh, you wanted to buy a house because he never spent any money, so he had all kinds of it. He was the opposite of me. Mm. I spent mine before I got it, and he didn't spend his forever. And uh, I said, we could go and have a look at it. So, yeah, he said, I I like to buy it. He said, isn't that Wilbert's house? I said, yeah, he told me that uh, uh, he has it for sale. So. If you want it, I can get you in touch with Wilbert. Yeah, but I know Wilbert. Where does he live now? And so I said, well, I'll get in touch with him. And so I go, I said, Wilbert, I think I got a buyer for your house in Anderson Street. Oh, uh, and where is he from? I said, he's living in Whitby. He says, do I know the guy? Because Wilbert, having lived in Whitby for a while, he got to know some people, so... Uh, I said, yeah, you know him. I said, you remember Leo, uh, who, uh, who was boarding at Van Bostels when you were living in that trailer? Yeah, I know Leo. Uh, I said, well, he likes to buy it. Oh, he said, but uh, that deal with the saw is off. I said, what do you mean the deal is off? He says, I know Leo. He said, I could, he, he said, I could have sold the house to him myself. I said, but you told me that if I could sell the house, then I would get the saw. And Leo is buying it, so I like to get my saw. Yeah, he said, but I could have, I could, I know Leo, I could have sold it to him. I says, why, why didn't you? He said, well, I didn't know he wanted to buy a house. I says, that's the difference. And that's what's costing the saw. I knew he wanted to buy it, and you did it. And for that, and and then his wife, uh, Bertha, she uh, she knew his temper, mm -hmm. and um, he was a hothead if there ever was one. And uh, she said, uh, Wilbert, you made a deal. No way, and I'm not going to give him the saw, and I could have sold it. I knew Leo just as well, and so. Uh, but Bertha kept on, and we got into a bit of 
an, an argument about it. I, I felt I did get mm. a seller, and a deal is a deal. That's simple as that. So uh, Bertha says, you better go home. He's, he, he's bad. And, and I know what he's like when he gets bad. And uh, because he could easily grab two before and hit you over the head, you know, mm. that's the type of guy he was. So I went home and a week or two later I went back there and I thought it must have sunk in that he must have reasoned with Bertha since and uh, sure enough. He says, yeah, you can have the saw. And he wasn't happy about uh, admitting it, but yes. But what does the bugger do? He takes the motor off. And it was a three-quarter horse motor and it belonged with the saw, with the belt. I said, where, uh, where is the motor, Wilbert? Oh, no, no, he says, I said, you can have the saw. He said, but I keep the motor, I, I, you're a cheap bugger. But uh, I took the saw home and I don't know, uh, Providence, Destiny, whatever you want to call it, it was not maybe a month or two after that. The saw was sitting there and I never came across a motor that was worthy of going on there. Uh, so I, Wilbert comes in with a big heavy bag and uh, he says, uh, you do electrical work? I said, yeah. He says, you know the motor on that saw? He said, yeah. I said, yeah. He says, I got it here, would you mind to fix that for me? And I said, oh. <laughs> uh, I, uh, he said, you fix motors? I said, yeah. Oh, well, he said, then uh, let me know. And uh, when when it is ready, I said, well, you've got to give me some time. I you know I'd, I'm not going to take it apart tonight to see what's going on, but I'll look at it sometime this week. And uh, I thought I'm not going to be in any hurry. And I got to see if I can get that motor off of him somehow. So he came, uh, he called me once. I said, no, not yet. I said, but I'll have it ready by the end of the week. So I made sure that I checked it out and put a couple of new brushes in. And I cleaned the collector and the whole bit got it all adjusted. And uh, the motor was running like a charm. And no more sparks coming out or nothing. And uh, he comes back and I, I said, well, Wilbert, it, it was a lot more than I thought. Oh, how much is it? I said, well, uh, well, I can, I can say a hundred bucks. I said, but uh, it, it's for you. I said, I know you, but I can't afford to go lower than that. I thought the hell with it. You taught me what to do and I'll mm -hmm. give it to you. He says, if I got to pay a hundred bucks for it, you might as well keep it. I said, well, you got to pay me a hundred bucks because it's here. I, and I plugged it in and it was running nice and smooth. And, Boy, it sounds good, he said, but... He said, uh, no, he says, I'm not going to pay. He says, keep the damn thing. And that's all I wanted, really. <laughs> so that is how I got the motor to go on there. And that saw sits in the attic here in the workshop. And I put a shaper head on it because to buy a shaper uh, is, uh, I know from the wood shows how much you got to pay for it. And I could make one for what I was doing on that old saw. So... Wilbur's old saw with the motor is still sitting upstairs in the attic of the workshop. Mm. And I could do that because Cashway 
had a table saw, a big one, brand new, and the fence was out. But these guys that work in the lumber yard, they don't know how to run a saw, and they're rough. So they got to cut a sheet of plywood in half for the customer. They want a half a sheet, not a whole sheet. Can you cut it? So they didn't have these fancy cutters yet, and they, but they had this fantastic table saw. And uh, so the manager comes back, and I got to know the manager, quite well, the Chinaman. And uh, uh, they were, and there was a guy called Doug, 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 was an Irishman. And he was trying to cut this board, and the breaker kicks out. He said, they got them, and then he started to swear that saw's no good, and they, you'd think that a business like Casway would give you a better machine to work with, and he said, I can't work with the dang thing, and uh, so uh, I said, well, well, what's the matter? He says it binds. You get halfway through the sheet, and it binds, and if you watch, don't watch out, then the, the, you got to pull back, otherwise it binds so much that the motor stops, and then it kicks the breaker out. I said, well, you can't have that. So just then the manager comes in, and he said, uh, well, what's the matter? He said, well, I got to cut this sheet. I mean, the customer wants a half sheet of plywood. He says, and as soon as I start cutting it, I want to leave it there to get it on the other end to pull it through. He says, and the breaker kicks out. I got to go inside because they, they were sitting in a trailer outside and there was a big heavy cord going in to plug it in. And that's how they had the hydro in, in that trailer. And he said, I can't be bothered with it. He says, I'm losing too much time. And so what do you what do you think? He said, well, don't you think we should have a decent saw? Can't you order in? He said, you're the manager. Can't you order in a, a, a new saw? And Mike was the manager's name. He said, yeah, I can. He said, but what are you going to do with this one? I just, I was listening to the whole thing. I said, uh, could I do a bit on that, Mike, if you, uh, if you sell that saw? Yeah, he said, we have to sell it. But, what do you bet on it? I said, well, I don't know how good or how bad it is. And I knew then, well, he had no idea at all. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, he would have seen that his fence was out of lining. And uh, he said, make me an offer. I said, gosh, I got to check it over. And uh, uh, he said, well, uh, give me 50 bucks. I said, well, that's better than me making an offer because I was going to start at the hundred dollars and see where do I get. Mm. But he offered it for fifty. <laughs> I said, well, if there is somebody, he said, and take it out of here. I said, if you have somebody to help me load it on the truck and let me put the pickup truck in, then I'll back right up to the to the trailer here and we put it in. And he says. Uh, Doug, you, uh, you help him. So Doug helped, helped me load it in, and a week later there was the, their new saw. I came home with it, and before I went inside for anything, I put it back together. I took the rails off and the motor, because it had to be as light as possible to carry the parts in. And I put it in its place, and uh, the first thing I did is start measuring right with, uh, with a, uh, right to a fraction of an inch, 
line-up defense. Just leave it a hair more out at the end. And I tightened it up again. I took a board and it ripped just perfect. And there was nothing wrong with it. The fence had moved out if you forced that. Eventually there is two bolts here holding that whole fence. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then a, a lock for the other end, of course. But that lock is not not too solid and that is what was wrong. Anyhow, that is how I got the saw that I have now. And that is how Wilbur's saw ended up uh, in the attic here because mm. uh, that's my shaper. Yeah, the wood shows was uh, for me, when that stopped in Woodstock, that was a blow in the face because uh, I used to go there with Dave and uh, after that, we both go to the, the special A. They had this restaurant downtown mm. Woodstock. And we go and have supper and we sit there. We had a beer there. You could get a beer there. And uh, as we are having supper, we are talking about the wood show, of course. And you, they can see this. They see, you know what good? And he, he comes out with the ideas that he had about all those different things. It was, it was a fantastic experience. I always look forward to it. I felt bad when uh, Woodstock actually stopped. Yeah. But uh, yeah, that was the Woodstock Wood Show, and then. Uh, well, I'm trying to think. I was talking about stuff. I'm trying to think of stuff you got at Woodstock. Was there not? Is that where the grandfather clocks came from? Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. The guy that was selling the those uh, cuckoo clock timepieces, yeah. they sold all kinds of clock like the mechanisms mm -hmm. and you could buy the case that you have to put together but it was already finished on the outside all you had to do is put it together but it came in a knockdown is almost like ikea kind yeah, of thing assembly required yeah yeah but the, the i saw those grandfather clocks the they would almost be as big as that almost as high as that door mm. uh i would say to at least uh, the well six feet yeah seven six and a half and yeah. uh, uh, all that mm. uh, and that in itself is enough to uh, to sell the clock to me and uh, when John got married I actually I thought but John was always saying if you get a timepiece then I'll help you in the workshop and mm. We'll make the case for it because yeah. you can get you can you get the dogs to come with it. So when he got married, I said to mom, uh, John uh, would like that grandfather's clock, and he was gonna help me make it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'll buy him the timepiece, and I have lots lots of walnut, yeah. and then uh, he can make his own. Or I uh, he was gonna help me and. Uh, yeah, that's a good idea. So uh, when the wood show came up and I bought the thing, uh, no, I had the business card and I mm -hmm. phoned him. And he said, yes, and I had the catalog too. Because I still have it upstairs somewhere, the catalog with all the different clocks in it. Mm -hmm. the, and those timepieces, they they are a ferocious amount of money. So, uh, and they are worth it too. So I bought it, and uh, that is what we gave to John for his wedding. Mm -hmm. uh, but John is always too busy, and 
I don't know what he did with the thing. It might still be in the box sitting somewhere in, in the house there in Holland Landing because I don't think he ever used it. He would have let me know. Mm -hmm. But probably that is a retirement project. Mm -hmm. But boy, the sound of those those clocks is just unbelievable. And uh, another thing that coming to clocks, those couple of guys, and they were from Amsterdam, and they've sold drawings for making a wooden clock, and they mm. had a wooden clock hanging there, and it was working beautiful. And uh, so is this one with like pendulum below, or the the, the, the one like yeah. In the dining room here. Yeah. So all uh, the pieces are actually out of wood, gears. Oh yeah. yeah. The, there's a special kind of plywood. Yeah. But uh, uh, you get this tool and it cuts the gears. It cuts every piece and how you got to adjust it. Uh, everything. Uh, how you can actually make your own parts and the specifications for the parts, or you could buy the clock for eighty or hundred bucks, something like that. Anyway. I saw that clock and I fell in love with it. I thought this, this is all wood, mm -hmm. except in the weights that if you wind it, you you push the weights up and you pull the the string down. There is no chain on it because the chain is metal, yeah. but there is a string on it and it goes. It looks like a pulley, and in the groove of the pulley, you put glue, and on the glue you put uh, uh, sand grit. And the grit and the string would give enough friction that it wouldn't pull through, but mm -hmm. it would drive the clock. And uh, so I came home and I put it together and, well, there's the clock. Of course, uh, it's nice to look at, but uh, to really work, you got to fuss over it more than I have ever given attention for. And uh, But at least mine is hanging on the wall and you can see it. As opposed to Dave, oh. he bought one, mm -hmm. and uh, and Joanne is always, uh, if I ever dare mention that wooden clock when they come here, uh, David, where is your wooden clock? Uh, I haven't had time yet, I got to do it. He's always busy, yeah. always busy, always has been. I've never seen him uh, launching around, doing nothing, always busy. Uh, well, someday he'll do it. So let me retire first. Mm -hmm. Of course, now he is retired. He's busier than he was before. Yeah. And uh, of course, <laughs> the clock is waiting until he can't do anything else, yeah. I guess. But he still hasn't. To the, the last thing I yeah. uh, I heard, he hadn't put it together yet. Somewhere there's some irony about not having enough time to make a time to make a timepiece. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I never thought of that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, the clock doesn't let me. Yeah. I don't get enough yeah. time on that clock to put it together. Mm. Yeah, he, yeah, when I bought, bought one, he says, I'll have one too. Yeah. So he got it in the same kind of box as I did, and we went home with our individual clocks. Yeah. It didn't take me long to put it together, but <laughs> that's years ago. And Well, how many years would you have any idea how long you would have gone to this? Wood shows with Dave? Oh. Like, do you start going to him before you actually moved to Tilsburg? Oh, yeah. You? Oh, yeah. You would come down specifically from Whitby to, to uh, go with him. Yeah. Uh, I, I come to Tilsburg and we were at your place and, uh, oh, they have that Woodstock, Woodstock Wood Show on. 
What's the woodchuck? Yeah, the woodchuck has a, oh, it's a big woodchuck. And uh, why don't you go with Uncle Dave? Is he going? Because I really got along great with I liked his ideas and he was a no-nonsense kind of guy yeah. uh, and very pleasant. Mm -hmm. And he had more ideas than I could have ever dreamed of. So I, I could have them all to myself for a whole day. Yeah. That was a big thing to yeah. me. So we started to, we made, well, I'll, uh, uh, I'll be here next. Yeah, but the, the, Woodstock, the wood show is for three days. Because the Woodstock, Woodstock Wood Show was for three days. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'll be there on Saturday. I come down Friday, Friday night and I can sleep here and then and early we mm -hmm. go to the Wood Show. But how many times we went, I don't know, several yeah. years in a row. Uh, but actually until uh, Joe Daniels sold a chunk of it where they built the casino. Mm that was on the ground of the old wood show. And once they started to shrink it, it was not the same anymore. And uh, the, soon enough, the, the, the bandsaw wasn't there. And one year or several years in a row, there was a guy and he was out of BC. And he was a real artist. And he had a couple of these little chainsaws and he had a, a block of wood sitting there and another one sitting on top of it. And with a chainsaw, he started to cut and cut and the, you see the soldiers flying around. And I had no idea what, what that was supposed to be. And well, you soon enough will see, you know, you can ask him and he'll stop the chainsaw on idle and he will answer any questions. But what he was making, he didn't say. He said, you watch, keep watching, he said, you'll see. And so we kept watching and we're standing there looking at it and drinking a cup of coffee, which I should do now though. But anyway, he, uh, within about half an hour, some kind of an animal, because we had seen the carving of uh, Joe Daniels, but that yeah. a chainsaw and, and uh, hand carving is not the same thing. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and I never, heard of or seen somebody carving with a chainsaw. So we stood there, it's amazing what the guy can do. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. Did you notice that the nose of that chainsaw is a lot sharper? Uh, yeah, I saw that, uh, especially for carving. So, uh, so then you start asking him and he stops the thing. Yeah, and uh, he used, uh, I think they were steel. It's a German made chainsaw. Mm -hmm. And that was for carving. It was especially made for carving. So there must be more people doing that than just him. But mm -hmm. it wasn't long after that. And there is a bear. And it was uh, close to three feet tall. Almost as, well, yeah, at least as high as they stable. Whatever, that's 30 inches. Mm -hmm. So uh, that's, how, uh, that's how big the bear was. And he carved that out. And in the end, he um, he kind of, he didn't sand it, but the way he held the chainsaw, he smoothed it out. But the eyes, the ears, the, 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 the claws, mm -hmm. the details was just unbelievable what he did with that chainsaw. And uh, of course, uh, I couldn't afford to 
to buy a piece like that, but he actually did sell it at the end of the show. Mm. But that was, he came especially from BC to, to show, well, of course, uh, he was making good money on it because um, uh, mom's uh, niece, Ria, she lived in, I forget the name of the town, and uh, I went out on a walk one morning, and there is a tree sitting in the front yard of this house, in, on the roots and everything, this a tree, and in the top of the tree there was a, a coon mm. and a couple of little coons that came, one was looking out of a hole that was in the tree and there was other carvings all around right to the, the, ground, the ground level. Yeah. And uh, I, I forget, Godrich I think it was, but I'm not sure. Mm. Uh, and I thought maybe that's the guy that done it, the guy from BC, because how many guys is there around that can actually do carving with a with a chainsaw? Yeah. So anyhow, that was uh, my wood show, my wood show experiences. I uh, I don't know if I could go anymore. In fact, the last time I went to the wood show. I had my rollator with me, mm -hmm. so that kind of gives me an idea when, when it ended. Yeah. But uh, uh, I, I would still try and go, but mm -hmm. after my heart attack, of course, I, I don't have enough air left to, mm -hmm. to go to a wood show. But I would sure love to go and watch that sawmill again, and that that carver. Mm -hmm and so many other things inside. I don't do anything. I haven't been in the workshop since last October. And, uh, and everything's sitting there. Uh, but it's a nice memory. I, uh, I don't feel sorry about any part of my life. I mm. had a, so far a very nice life. I, it's only 89 years, I should be able to get a few more. Mm -hmm. uh, I still like to, you've got to have the enthusiasm. Anyhow, yeah, that's that's just about... Well, just a couple of points to clarify, because you refer to him as Uncle Dave. So yeah, he's, well, actually, he's actually my uncle, so that's the name yeah. he gets called, but Dave Long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Dave Long. But uh, yeah, I say Uncle Dave, that's how, that's how I was raised. Yeah. You uh, uh, like mom's mom and dad. When I saw them, uh, I called them mom and dad. Yeah. I felt privileged that I could actually do that. Yeah. And back home, we had that customer. And in in the old days, I think it was different. Nowadays, kids in school they call the teacher by yeah. the first name. Yeah. I would have gotten a lick and so bad. I would still feel it. <laughs> uh, but nowadays, that uh, that civility kind of thing that has fallen by the wayside. Yeah. And you can tell by the be behavior of the teenagers that there is, there is no discipline. You cannot maintain freedom by uh, everything is okay. Yeah. Limitations of some freedoms can maintain true freedom. Mm -hmm. And that is something that uh, a lot of people don't seem to realize. You've got to be willing to sacrifice 
some freedoms to maintain the ones that really are precious. Well, you know, and I, I did see Uncle Dave just the other day because he was at our house. Oh, yeah. Looking at trying to help replace my end of poles at the end of light. So yeah, yeah. He's retired and he's still busy. So I'm not helping him getting to his grandfather clock. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, Someday he'll get to it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, uh, do you know if he still has that Chevette that Tan bought when I went to Holland? Uh, it wouldn't have been his. It would have been uh, his son. It would have been uh, oh, Billy's. Billy's. I think it's still oh. around. I just don't know where. It might be out west. So. Oh, uh, because I knew that it hadn't hit the scrap heap yet. Yeah. But uh, I, I was in Holland at the time, and and Tam and Mum, they went to a dealership yeah. in in Ajax, and when I came back, and there, Tam has a new car, yeah. and the first car. Brand spanking new off the dealer's lot. I never had a new vehicle in all my life. Even though when I was much younger, my dream was someday I'm going to drive a Cadillac. Yeah. Well, driving it is not the same as owning one. Uh, so I let go of the driving part, or the owning part, but I still someday I'll drive one. And I did. My brother-in-law from the States came to visit us one time, and he came in with a Cadillac. And uh, I said, Matt, do you mind if I drive the car to the back and up? Oh, he says, take it for a spin. I said, no, no, no. I'm not going to go out on the highway. With my luck, something goes wrong. He said, no, that's all right. He said, don't worry. So I, I that was in Bedby, and I went to my workshop and I backed up again to where he had a park near the house. So I could say I actually drove a Cadillac. Don't go into details, but uh, I did drive a Cadillac. Anyhow, that is an hour ago. The cuckoo tells me we were at it already an hour ago. Mm -hmm. So, so yeah, we'll, uh, we'll finish off there and uh, we'll pick up next week. Okay. So, uh...